Hello and welcome to the Make Ideas Reality podcast. I'm Justin White, aka The Garage Avenger. Being creative and making is important for ensuring the continued development of society. It is critical for a shared sense of identity, culture and values. We are coming out of a world-shattering pandemic, one that's brought a cataclysmic series of changes into our daily habits. It has become even more prevalent to embrace concepts like community, diversity and authenticity. Life is so serious. Creativity is what makes it fun. And if we share this with others, it can transform society as a whole. My guest today, Mike Troxell, calls himself an odd ball, which I think we can all relate to as makers. He has a long history of developing projects that bring people together, creating community and impacting society. We deep dive into his story. He shares with us some of his projects and the impact they've had. We talk about why you as a maker are one of the most important assets to your local community. And Mike suggests some ways you as a little maker in your little workshop can get out and make an impact, engage others and change the world. If you've ever wanted to leave your mark, then I hope this episode will inspire you to take action. There are those who might shudder when asked to make a two-story high udder, or those who would stress to make a flying Pegasus. To change the world, one might agree, a small idea can alter one's reality. Welcome to the show, Mike Troxell. Hey, lovely. That was beautiful. Yeah, nice, nice. That wasn't so cringeworthy. That was actually kind of rap worthy. You should like, uh, I'd given it some rhythm, you know, but uh, <laughs> for your next show, I'll do your beatbox for whoever you talk about and you can throw a cool. Maybe, maybe I should redo that <laughs> intro and we can put the beatbox over it. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, so welcome to the show, Mike. Um, there. Yeah possibly is a lot of people listening thinking who is Mike Troxell. So I thought I'd give you the opportunity to introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are, what you are all about. Yeah, I um, uh, grew up in Colorado. Um, I was 20 years old. I moved to Chicago to uh, kind of work actually a lot with social justice and poverty in the inner city. Uh, there of Chicago, and I met this really wonderful Norwegian girl there um, about 26 years ago, and uh, now I live in Norway because I fell in love with her. (laughs) Uh, When I came to Norway, um, I've done lots of projects. Most of my life, I've worked with uh, all sorts of different kinds of engagements that worked with culture and people and building things, of course, um, through music and through videos and festivals and whatnot. Uh, uh, I moved to Norway. It's probably been 16 years ago. Um, Kind of what sent me down this trajectory that I'm on now is my son got a skateboard for Christmas. Fell in love with skateboarding at the time. Uh, And then it rained or it snowed or something like that. So I went to the city 
uh, government to find out where the indoor skateboard park was. Uh, there wasn't one uh, within about three, 400 miles, I guess. And so uh, I thought we needed one. I went to the commune, to the, the governmental offices and said, hey, you know, we need, a, we need an indoor skateboard park for all these kids. And they were like, yeah, 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 we're, we're, we're going to build one. Uh, we've been working on it for about two or three years. And our plan is it will probably start in about 10 years. <laughs> I was like, 10 years? That's your plan after three or four years is maybe in 10 years. My kid's 10. So what about him? So uh, lo and behold, about uh, about five or six months later, I opened uh, at the time one of Norway's largest indoor skateboard parks called Vision Skate Park. Um, uh, and just, of course, got into it, had to build a lot of stuff myself, pulled in a lot of skate park builders. Um, so that kind of grew me into this cultural world of Norway. Um, then I started other different kinds of things like uh, a parkour hall. Uh, actually, Norway's... There's my dog. <laughs> hey, can you shut the door? All my... I have four kids, by the way, so they're all here. Um, blah, blah, blah. What am I saying? So I, I ran a skate park for many years. I started parkour hall. Uh, and then got really enthralled into uh, this idea of the maker community. Um, actually got introduced from a friend uh, when I was getting kind of done running a skate park because I really liked uh, making things. Before that, I had uh, like a bike club where we would take old bikes from the garbage, uh, kind of weld them together into cool bikes. Um, we were called the recyclers. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Um, and I really wanted to get back to making things like that and actually making tall bikes again. And a friend of mine that I met from, uh, from the U.S. said, no, 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 that's not what you want to do. Here's what you want to do. And he sent me a, a video from um, a guy talking about maker spaces. And it just really sat really well with me that that was a need for people to have a place to come. So I opened a maker space and ran it for a while. And, um, and now I work at an at a opera house, a large theater opera house, uh, building sets um, and trying to uh, have fun and enjoy life. Yeah. I guess that's about it. That's a quick wrap up of my last 30 years. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like a lot, of, a lot of your past experience is a lot to do with, you know, building things. Uh, to engage the wider community and 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 help a lot of other people in the community, I guess it says. No, no, uh, absolutely. I've always been geared around that. You know, um, there's so many oddballs out there like myself, uh, whether it was in through music or transient youth uh, culture of the U.S. and in Chicago to skateboarder boys that were kind of pushed out at school and they're not good at school because they can't sit in front of a teacher for seven hours a day and not move, <laughs> which I think that's a whole nother subject. Um, and, and all of a sudden they're getting this impression that they're not good enough or something's wrong with them. Uh, and so to create a space for them where they found out that, no, there's nothing wrong with you. And there's actually something really wrong with our system you know, and how do you kind of gather them into that place? And then when I started to meet kind of the, the maker community, uh, the creatives and seeing 
many of them also kind of hidden away in their own garages or their basements or, or whatever, creating a space where they could come together and meet others. Um, uh, and then most of our projects and the different projects that I've done have been about collaboration, I should say, you know, so if I was ever called an artist or if I ever called myself an artist, I think my, my medium would be people. You know, I like to, <laughs> when I have an idea, I like to like go around and pick the colors uh, that I want to put into my painting and they're just the right people, you know, getting the right team around to create and to kind of come on board and make something. So um, I love to just gather, um, uh, you know, for example, we made a, it was like a, about a 25 foot tall marionette that walked through the streets of Norway here on the 17th of May parade. And it was a mixture of uh, some Polish ladies that love to sew, um, an elderly woman who liked to make dresses, uh, a guy from the oil company who was an engineer who helped kind of come up with a plan for the skeleton uh, to an old like a theater fire blowing uh, uh, creative guy that could come on and help us make sure that we didn't kill anybody on the street and uh, uh, the old farmer uh, priest that had an old tractor that he came down with and helped us attach it to a tractor and then when we we're walking through the streets we needed five or six people just to pull the arms and pull the string so that her arms would move around and her legs would move and her her head was remote control so it was this this whole expression of this strange group of people that would never actually probably have anything in common, but found something in common when we started to build this giant, uh, wonderful marionette woman uh, and walk her through the streets, you know? So hmm. that process for me is always, I think more important to me than what we actually make. Uh, honestly, what I love is that gathering and then through uh, these different skill sets that you find in different people, them meeting each other, inspiring each other. Of course, I can ramble on about those things. Um, I, I kind of wanted to sort of, you touched on, you know, in getting people together and, and making, I guess, things together and which changes their world. And I think that comes down to our, yeah. our topic today, you know, making changes the world, you know, in a society that seems to yeah. be like even more, distant and unengaging and you know where we sit behind screens and and even socialize over screens uh, i yeah. don't know my neighbors really uh and yeah. you know cultural events and things are you know often not favored over watching you know the squid game on netflix or something like that and it all seems just a little bit grim but we as yeah. makers yeah. i guess have the power to change this and though it I think sometimes it brings us down with like a bit of self-doubt and a healthy dose of imposter syndrome. Uh, I think making is an incredible antidepressant for most of us and it's, it's <laughs> pathetic and it's addictive and it, and it traps us into a, like a positive spiral of thinking that, you know, can only ever create good people. Um, yeah. for, and for those who are engaged in this maker community, they, that's clearly evident. And yeah. who better to change the world but us people? 
(laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. People who aren't willing, who are willing to try new things and try and fail and miserably do insane things uh, to make something cool come about. Those are the kind of exact people we need uh, to come together. Absolutely. But I, I think you're right. As we discussed, a lot of times, people feel pushed aside or they feel like they're the strange one, you know, whether their um, desire to take apart electronics and figure out how they work or their desire to take an old piece of wood and carve it into some kind of a statue that started when they were kids finding sticks in the woods and they still like to watch one kind of a material become something. Uh, And they fall in love with that process or they like to whatever and they don't always have the right people around them to help them understand how that is actually exactly what we should be doing is kind of pursuing those kinds of um, creative projects. So, so of course, how can we create a venue, create a project that draws those kinds of people together so they can meet each other kind of like a, a real uh, analog uh, Tinder <laughs> without the Tinder part, you know, um, just a way to get people actually to meet face to face and sometimes having fun projects or fun things going on, or sometimes it's as simple, I think, as needing help. And yeah, 100%. Asking help. And uh, uh, when you need help, uh, and a lot of what I've done over the people write me and call me all the time. Hey, do you know anyone who can uh, uh, make uh, something out of st- molten steel? Oh yeah, yeah. I know a guy, he's a blacksmith up in the woods. Yeah. He could totally, he's the guy. Or do you know someone that can laser cut this or 3d print something? Or do you know someone who can fix a couch or do you know someone who can, you know, so I've become kind of the connector to a lot of random (laughs) skilled makers that um, are amazing. They're just magicians. Uh, But most people don't know, you know, so uh, yeah. You said you worked in a theater and, you know, you also <laughs> said that you're not really, your skill is not really yeah. making things. It's about putting people together. So like, are you a, are you a certified carpenter or like, how did you get this job working in the, the, it's, 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 it's a big theater, isn't it? The opera house down there in Christiansand. Yeah. Um, of course, most of my life I've been, uh, enthralled by making things from fixing up my room to building things, putting things together. How do you use a saw? How do you create? Um, so m- most of my life, you know, when I had a kid, I was had a bike, I could take it apart and put it back together, you know, just kind of that instinctual um, curiosity for how things work and how things function. Uh, for a while I was an electrician, you know, so I could easily understand how electricity flows it just made sense to me like the same as plumbing for me electrical exactly the same thing one's just water one's electricity so i can get things like that so um so then i you know again i started building a skate park for my son you know and and learning kind of developing certain skills and understanding radiuses and how you put things together um and then when I opened the makerspace, it's probably when I um, un- began to see the, va- the, the amazing, powerful tools that are 
in at our disposal now, like CNC machines, laser cutters, um, uh, plasma cutters, you know, um, uh, things like that, that I never knew really existed, you know, and that kind of took, gave me as a novice carpenter, the ability to make really cool things uh, without having to spend 15 years in a carpentry school. <laughs> I loved that, you know, I think so. So that introduced me to those things. And so when I brought those in and then all of a sudden, again, magically, certain people started to show up uh, that knew enough about some of these machines that they could start, the ball started rolling. And then another person showed up that, that knew something about this. And, um, and I ran that for some years and kind of grew a relationship with a lot of culture people in the city through, you know, just concerts and skate parks and making, and we had a maker fair and we had lots of different things. And actually the, the makerspace wasn't doing so well financially. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty common actually makerspace is struggling. Uh, strange as that might sound. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, you know, what, you know, what we were so successful at was just the magic of making. It was uh, the people and the things were happening all the time, but the money wasn't rolling in like we wanted to. And just towards the end, when Makerspace was starting to, I was starting to see that we had to figure something else out. I got an email from a guy at the theater asking if I could just help out for a few weeks in the carpentry shop. So now it was coming up to Christmas and I had no money. <laughs> it was, I was, I can't make my kids presents all the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes they want a PlayStation, you know? So uh, I realized, wow, this is a great opportunity to make some money. Um, so I went in and it was just a lovely, huge workshop. Uh, I actually convinced them at the time when my makerspace closed down to buy uh the cnc machine that we had and a laser cutter we had and some of the 3d printers and stuff so so uh that's been about three years that i've been working at the theater so we make everything whatever the sonographer comes in and says we want this uh then it's kind of our job to figure out how we can make it uh and what uh, what's the how what's our budget what's our parameters what kind of materials are we using what's our time frame and then we kind of have to figure out what is realistic to make. And so far we've been able to exceed everyone's expectations. And uh, that's partly because of the team that I have that work with me as well. So um, that's how I got my job. Um, yeah. Hmm. Uh, you, there, obviously there's a lot of like old school sort of prop guys working there and you yeah. bring, you brought yeah. in a whole heap of CNCs and laser cutters <laughs> and how did that go over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At, at first, definitely, they were very apprehensive. Um, you know, there's there's something with any kind of technology uh, that uh, if if you've spent your life making things the old school way, and someone comes in with a machine that you in your mind think can do it uh, better than me, well, then why will you need me? Uh, and they. I think sometimes, especially in kind of the old school theater world, they have a very misconception about what these digital fabrication tools can do. It's not like you don't just type in a code and then it out comes this big thing. You know, a CNC machine is just, it just cuts out shapes. It doesn't put things together and make them work. You know, um, 
Neither does uh, it design it, you know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so at first, definitely they were very apprehensive and very um, understandably insecure. Um, how can this? How is this going to affect my, the importance of my skill sets? Uh, and so, over time, you know, I used the analogy early on about you know, because we're a theater, we make things that aren't real. You know, so I said, we're like a cake, we're a wedding cake company and nobody is ever going to eat our cakes. So why don't we just get some stupid machine that makes all the cakes and you guys can use all your time doing the frosting and making it look like magic, you know, and that's kind of the reality of what we can do with these digital design, digital fabrication machines is they kind of do the grunt work for a lot of things. Yeah. Um, still with a CNC and we have a great CNC machine still sometimes depending on the project, it's much faster just to use the typical, you know, traditional tools. If I'm just making a box, I don't always have to throw it on the CNC machine. I can just strip it down on a, a nice table saw and in, in a much shorter amount of time, make a better product. So as with all the things, it's also teaching people that these are just new tools um, and they're not for everything. And you, you can overuse, I've watched a lot of people overuse laser cutters, hmm. you know, and all of a sudden everything is laser cut. And there's a cool thing that a laser cutter can do. Um, but there's also something really cool a good jigsaw can do, you know, and uh, uh, it's not always the right tool for the right job. Um, so, yeah. So uh, now everyone's pretty excited. Um, and I've, ch I've changed over some of my staff too and pulled in people that have a bit more leaning to uh, at least understanding the digital process. Yeah. Um, uh, but always I'm, I'm, I'm a lover of old school set, uh, old school skills. I love, uh, I got one guy, his name is Froda and he can basically take, you know, a piece of foam, uh, styrofoam, some glue and some paint and make anything out of it. And it just is mind blowing uh, what he can do with just cardboard and, you know, paper mache. Um, and those are skills that I love and I want to grow. And again, for him too, I want him to be able to develop himself, understand how these other tools can aid our process so he doesn't have to spend five days just doing all the grunt work so he can get to the fun stuff. Yeah. Basically I can within, you know, four or five hours, sometimes he's in there doing the magic and the painting and the sculpting that brings it to life. And uh, he, they've begun to, they realize very quickly that they love these machines. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about impacting your community because you've been involved in lots of projects like you've just mentioned yeah. earlier, you know, uh, and I feel like a lot of them have had some impact on the community. Um, what are what are, what were those, the biggest projects you've been involved yeah. in, and what was the biggest impact they've had on people? Do you think? Of course, some projects are building a skateboard park, uh, indoor skateboard hall. That was a big project that had huge impact. Um, I think for me, some of the simplest things have had the biggest impact. Riding, for example, on a tall bike 
which is just, again, where you take one bike and you weld another bike on top of it and you sit up a bit higher um, has been something that has brought me so much joy, but also I believe real impact into the community because when you, when you ride on a tall bike and you come down the street, people have this idea in their mind what a bike is. Hmm. You know, they just think this is a bike. And all of a sudden they see someone on a bike that's a bit taller and their brain kind of goes, eh. And 90% of the time they burst out laughing and they smile and they engage you. You know, um, I've had conversations with, you know, I remember driving past like a convertible Maserati and the guy in the passenger seat was hitting the guy in the driver's seat, like, dude, check him out. You know, they're looking at me, giving me like, whoa, dude, cool bike, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I pulled, literally pulled these frames out of the garbage, welded them together and riding them through. And they're sitting in a million dollar car, giving the thumbs up to me on this weird bike. You know, I've had, I've, I've, I've talked to women in burkas with their kids and their kids are laughing. And the women are like, Hey, wow. That's so new people that would never, um, engage. why would they talk to me? hundred um, percent. Yes. But when you have some, this kind of, uh, spontaneous, uh, unguarded moment with people with something that's a bit creative and fun, uh, it makes these connections and we can enjoy this moment together. And, uh, I love that. You know, I love just spreading that kind of joy around and, and increasing that. Um, uh, so that has led to other things as well. We led me to putting on a, a bike parade, for example, yeah. <laughs> where I, uh, I convinced a bunch of my friends to join in. Uh, we started off, I was going to be two or three of us just riding on tall bikes and we were going to kind of make them into something cool. Uh, and it turned into over 40 people getting bikes and turning them into anywhere from a spaceship to elephants to all sorts of random things. And one day during Corona, we just put on a parade in the middle of our city. Um, and the, the only rule I had for everybody was it can't be political. It can't be a protest and not like a religious statement. This is just about fun. You know, we had been, you know, for that year, we'd been hit by Corona and everything was sad and we had, uh, you know, other things to concern ourselves with. Uh, and all of a sudden, for one day, we could just bring joy to people and it was just uh, magic, you know. And again, the people, even some of the people that joined that um, probably wouldn't have joined something otherwise but because it was so large and a lot of people could be involved in it. Some people made the most intricate, amazing giant bike sculptures that you can dream of. And some people came with the most simply decorated bikes that almost weren't decorated, <laughs> <laughs> but in their capacity, they could join into this, this crazy experience because they could join in with their bike and their, their, uh, imagination took over and that was uh um, i think that's still having impact i still have people stopping me on the street saying hey when's the next bike parade you know um so yeah, yeah. 
going to say i think as we as makers and creatives like are innately good people and and when we we have the power to make a difference in our local community because we have this creative mind that can come up with amazing ideas what do you what what do you think makes makers and creatives i guess as well an important asset in society today well, I think that um, anytime, and I'll, I'll stretch it from, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why I think so, and I'll stretch it from makers and creatives to the lessons I learned from hanging out with skateboarders. Hmm. <laughs> um, I met so many 12 to 15-year-old boys, mostly, who um, didn't fit into normal sports, didn't fit into normal schools, um, but they were innovative they were self-determined. They would practice all day. They would think outside the box. They, they thrived because they came into an environment where there were no rules. You can express yourself through what you do. There's no right or wrong way to skate. It's what works with you. And I'm so many of these boys I saw were um, sometimes marginalized but actually they're exactly what we need in order to push our world forward. Our people that are willing to take risks and to fail uh, with skateboarding. I watched boys try to learn to do a kickflip and they failed a thousand times <laughs> literally before they made their first kickflip and then still they fail. And they know that failure, you will not become a good skater if you don't fail miserably, you know, if you haven't broken at least one bone, if you haven't smashed your elbow, if you haven't gotten this giant shred mark across your body, you're not going to get good and come to the point of freedom. Um, and I think that lesson I pulled over to what makes generally makers and creatives uh, essential is their, their non-fear of failure. Um, Failure in our culture is looked down upon, but really it's the source of any innovation and whatever we get, failure has to happen. Uh, and so when I see makers come in and they're, you know, we're making a giant wing right now for a giant Pegasus horse. Um, and the first, uh, the first trial of the wing, I should have it. It's just, it, it was terrible. Like you hold it up and it goes flunk. You know, it's just, it, none of the things worked. It just didn't, it was an absolute catastrophe. <laughs> and we laughed and we put it back together. We looked at it and we made some changes and three or four iterations later, we had what we wanted, you know, and, and that non fear of failure, I think that is so prevalent in the maker community. Um, is what we need. And that, that's and probably the thing that stands out to me. Don't you think also the, the willingness to learn from others as well, like not to see, like sit in their high horse and say, I'm the best at this. Like that's <laughs> what I feel like we are well, really good at. Right. But then I that, think that comes from that, that reality. When you fail four or five or six times, <laughs> and all of a sudden you reach out to somebody and you're like, I keep, why doesn't this work? And they go, oh, we'll try this. I, I feel 
I feel too like we we just there is that innate like okay I failed at this like and I'm willing to go for some help to ask some people about their opinions on this weird thing that I'm building you know like uh, I don't that I feel like there's a difference between for example us as makers and which ties us more to creative side than for example like let's just say like model shipbuilders or something like that you know like yeah because the model shipbuilders are trying to make something that already exists often right you know it's not like a their own design ship they're often trying to replicate a miniature version of you know a ship or a car or whatever right so there's not really any of that like troubleshooting type of thing i guess in what they're doing whereas we who make things that have never been made before innately (laughs) have to ask for help because at some point you can't know everything so i feel like that's a really great thing we have we're just so psyched about getting into things that we get way out and over our heads (laughs) (laughs) story of my life (laughs) <laughs> but that's beautiful because like uh maybe i'm a good carpenter and i can do with the carpentry but all of a sudden i realize i need a machine to make this work or i need electronics or i need something that i don't know and i've i'm too far in and there's a whole skill set that i realize i need to finish this well and that helps me reach out to find uh, the blacksmith or the electronics guy or the, or whatever to help me because, because we, we, we tend to go bigger than we should. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Uh, I'm sure you can relate to that. Yeah. uh, It's like Uh, every single project nearly. (laughs) 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 I'm like, what were you thinking? You imbecile. (laughs) And then your friends start to know, you know, because, you know, I have a lot of friends and I'm like, hey, I got another idea. I'm going to do I'm going to do it, but th- I'm going to do this kind of small. And they're all like this. Yeah, right. You know, <laughs> my my wife it, says it never stays small, Mike, you know, so uh, my wife always says things like don't overcomplicate it, Justin. <laughs> and I'm like, it's going to it's going to be fine, babe. It's like this one's going to be easy. I'm just going to program this app and then <laughs> that will communicate to the machine and she's like do you know how to do that i'm like no but it can't be that hard it seems pretty yeah, simple. I have YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah so then you get way deep in and then you gotta just cry out for help and uh i do think that that's the beautiful i mean that's a human thing you know it's it's hard to ask for help we all want to be superstars and be able to do it alone, you know, um, but we never can. And so I think that is also a huge superpower of the maker community is their quick willingness to ask for help and to give help, like you were saying too. Uh, I think their ability to not be afraid of failure actually gets them too far into projects that they should have been afraid of, <laughs> yeah. which then leads them to have to reach out to get help. And because they need help, they've gotten help. They're willing to give the same help. So it starts this amazing cycle 
And we all know how it feels to be in over your head and need desperately someone to help you. And it feels good to sometimes be that person instead to be able to come in and go, Hey, let me help you, you know, for all the good karma that I need because I've gotten so much help. Uh, it feels good to come around the edge and be the guy going, are you sure you want to add uh, seven buttons to that project? You know, um, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I've said it a few times now, but I think that's um, that's a life lesson. You know that that helps us in that helps us be better husbands, fathers, wives. Helps us be better workers. Helps us be better communicators when we're able to ask for help and to give help. You know, so I feel like many of us are self-proclaimed introverts, though in in the making community, definitely not myself. I definitely call myself an extrovert, yeah. but I think a lot of us are like that, you know, and we're, we're pretty, despite the fact that, you know, you are potentially introverted, you're still okay with asking makers, you know, for advice and help and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but you mentioned in your TEDx talk about breaking outside the cultural bubbles and, being that we are kind of generally on a general scale, like most of us are introverted and often in our sheds tinkering alone and, and, you know, uh, and reaching out on the internet for help and looking at YouTube videos, like many of us find it kind of hard to socialize outside of these, you know, uh, cultural bubbles, uh, you know, with the wider community, you have been, involved in a lot of these projects, you know, the skate park, the parkour hall, you know, the maker space, uh, you're now working for the theater and uh, you know, the myriad of other thing events and things you've done. What are the benefits of breaking out of these cultural bubbles, getting out of your comfort zone, you know, your, your little tinkering shed or, you know, that sort of thing on, on what's your opinion on that? I mean, of course, human relationships are what everything, that's what it's about, you know, really. Um, so when we, when we cut ourselves off from each other for whatever reason, um, in the long term, uh, we're never going to be who we should be, I think. I think we stop... Um, we cease to grow. And I think that the one thing that I know of most of my maker friends uh, is this kind of insatiable desire to learn and to grow, to develop, to move forward. If I'm doing this thing today, I want to be doing the next step tomorrow. I want to keep learning and building um, because as human beings, we want to keep developing ourselves. Um, but human contact, of course, um, is a critical part of that process. So, um, but it's not easy. And, and that's why I loved our maker space as long as it was. And that's why I love maker spaces anywhere is that it does, they do create this low threshold way to come in and start interacting with people. Um, but it's not just about the introvert. Uh, I think that would probably be my point uh, to, to communicate to the introvert that you need to move out of your 
your small world and, and get input and build relationships. I think everyone, they know that. I think the challenge is we become homogenous mm. uh, that I start to hang out and talk with people who also like what I do. And all of a sudden we, and, and there's a place for that. And don't get me wrong. There's a place to geek out with your friends and whatever, whatever you're into. And there's a place where, but if, if you're only your circle of friends are people who agree with you, think the same way as you follow the same trains of thought as you, then you do limit your ability to grow and to expand. Just like if you only work with wood and carving knives, you know, there are other tools, you know, yeah. there are other things you can grow in and you can implement other ways into your skill sets. And I think as humans, we need to be careful that we don't just become centered around small groups of people, whether that's, you know, you, you know what I mean? I'm sure you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that was the basis of my question because, you know, I feel like we are in our little maker groups on Facebook and, and, you know, our, we've got our discord chats and, we have our maker meetups and things like that, which is awesome. But at the same time, are we isolating ourselves to only hang out with those type of people? Uh, why are we not sharing our passion and skills with other people in our community, you know, that yeah. perhaps can not only enrich our lives, but we can enrich theirs as well. Absolutely. Hmm. I mean, it just makes me think about different cultures. You know, we like I grew up in Australia where there's a lot of cultural, you know, multiculturalism is the word I was yeah. actually looking for. Uh, and, yeah. you know, and we I really didn't have a like I grew up eating Chinese food as like a normal thing we had for dinner, you know, like that sort of thing. And, and, and then but then you get here in Norway and they are very uh, stuck in their traditions and their ways. And I just, sometimes I always think, Oh, imagine, <laughs> imagine if they just knew how good some of this stuff is out there, you know, and how much <laughs> life could be more interesting yeah, yeah. and more, uh, you know, just better, I guess, if you knew what else was out there. Uh, and so yeah, that's, think, yeah, that's yeah, my yeah. point really. Yeah. I think when people ask me, uh, I live in Kristiansand, which is Southern Norway. Um, and people often ask me, oh, do you miss America? Uh, and generally my response is not, I don't really miss America, but I miss good, cheap ethnic food. <laughs> you know, a wide variety, you know, in Chicago, you could eat Thai for lunch and Vietnamese for dinner and Mexican for breakfast and, you know, Polish, and you could eat every kind of food from the world, yeah. uh, Indian food and different kinds of Indian food and Northern Indian, you know, you, you could just, uh, uh, but here it is, it, it's Norway's a small country and small towns. And so, you don't have that diversity and uh, and I miss that. So in the same way, I miss, uh, we can start missing that diversity of people in our lives. So, but I think that actually the maker community, I, I'd say too, of course we need to work 
but the maker community as a whole is is amazingly open and diverse um, um, cross things you know there's I, I, when I first went to my first maker conference, I was amazed at the wide variety of people that were there. You know, that we had, uh, it was a maker fair in Paris actually. And you had people that were painting little signs, little artistic signs. You had people that were 3d printing. You had people that were carving out things. You had old good old boys that were just, you know, taking big logs and, you know, using a chainsaw to carve them out. You know, you had, Old people, young people, men, women, highly educated people, uh, self-educated people. You had, uh, I was impressed at how diverse the maker community was in my, when I first came to it, especially at a large maker fair that it was. So, um, uh, I think my life, point, I think maybe your point was life is not about the maker fair. How do you engage your yeah, I mean, I literally like, how do you walk out your front door and use your creativity yeah. to impact someone and their life? You know, like you could be your neighbor, yeah. could be someone, you know, that's what I'm more talking about. It's, it's, uh, I feel like we have the chance to do that, you know, and uh, that is kind of our superpower because we are not scared to fail and we try things that others wouldn't, you know, we have this yeah. impact. We can have this impact to inspire people to also, you know, not be scared of failure and try things. And it may not be making, that's the thing like that. Yeah, that true, true. It, it may be just, you know, they decide like, you know, well, geez, Justin, you know, is working hard at this, project like i'm pretty inspired i always wanted to do like travel and maybe i could do that you know and they finally you know buy the ticket they always wanted to buy and, and they start traveling you know oh. it's that that sort of impact and then you know when you meet someone on the street like you know you talked about a tall bike and meeting you know people on the street like that's the impact you have because your creation just came from outside the garage, like from inside the garage or a workshop and now is out in public where people can interact with it. And I fully relate to that because when I was about 14 or 15, I had built this like low rider, you know, dragster type bike, right? You know? Well, yeah, of course, yeah. And people, and you know, it was the 1990s, so that was out of fashion. Or sorry, it was early 2000s, so that was out of fashion. But people loved it, and like <laughs> the they do. people yeah. that you know grew up in the 80s, like were all over that. You know, like in the 70s <laughs> and 80s, they just like, oh, yeah. look at the banana seat, how cool! Oh, you know, right. Of course. You know, I, you know, I was like, oh, you, you need a bigger sissy bar on that. Like I had, I had a three foot <laughs> sissy bar, you know? Yeah, and yeah, and so yeah. that like engage, <laughs> like when I wheeled that thing onto a train or something to go to school or to, you know, wherever I was taking it, it would yeah. always engage people. People would always talk. Cause I had this, I had this giant monster, like speedometer <laughs> on it. And like, you know, I had done all this crazy <laughs> stuff on it. It looked completely stupid actually if i think about it but like at the time i thought it was way cool 
and people was like, st- oh, of course, yeah, people stopped me, you know, and started talking to me, and and you know that you never know what that could have had impact on yeah. someone, you know, like. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that guy, you know, has the balls to ride around this weird bike. You know, like all of a sudden, now I'm gonna wear that weird, like knitted, sh- like jumper I made because you know I'm actually <laughs> proud of it. Uh, <laughs> totally. <you know? laughs> of course, so, and maybe that's part of it too is that we can remind people. Of course, it's not easy for everyone to do this. It's probably easier. I I also am a bit more extroverted uh, than introverted, so. I like to go out and ride my tall bike because I get a lot of energy from the attention I get. Mm. Uh, some people attend too much attention is opposite and it's, it's, they, they can't bear it. So of course maybe it's easier for us, but that's also why we can create bigger groups. So people that, that we can kind of spread that attention out a little bit. Mm. Um, uh, but I was going to say something else. I wasn't going to talk about that. Um, but but that that impact that we have on people yeah i mean do you have any recommendations like you you've put yourself out there a lot now do you have any recommendations Mm. to to people who maybe want to try getting out there just a little not really sure where to start or what to do how to engage Mm. with a, a, a wider community i mean of course it can be as simple as finding uh, uh, depending on how connected or disconnected, you know, just Googling online to see if you can, is there a maker community in your area? Are there maker people that are doing something? Is there a project in your town going on that you could help? Uh, is there a kids program going on and you're a coder? Maybe you're a IT guy and, and you can share your skills with the local uh, Red Cross for example, or you're a, a 3D printer guy or girl that's just really into that, maybe find out if down at the local kids' place they need someone to kind of just inspire them, you know. Look for ways to share the weird skills you have. Uh, generally, people are happy to see weird skills. Um, and sometimes the maker community, I have to say, we're a bit too, we, we, we race too far ahead sometimes in a good mm. way, but that also makes it, people still don't even know what a 3D printer is, you know? Um, there are still people that think uh, they have no cognitive understanding of what it is. So when they're like, oh yeah, I can 3D print stuff. They're just like, you're talking some foreign language. Um, so we have to find ways to show them. If you do, uh, quickly people are, People love weird stuff, <laughs> I think. Um, I don't know. So uh, it takes initiative for sure. Uh, but there's a lot of people that want to see it. Um, go to an old folks home, you know, uh, elderly home, and just say, hey, I've made some cool things on this thing, and I'd like to show them and see who comes and just show them your creations or show them your talent or your skills and start to just share it uh, i guarantee you'll meet some really interesting people um, mm. most likely i find and i imagine you've seen it too the kind of the older generation above us like our fathers and their fathers you know they they know how to make things the old school way 
Mm. You know, so if you ask them a little bit, hey, look at this thing I made. They're like, wow, what kind of a file did you use? And you start, they're quick to want to talk it through. You know, when we yeah. took our, we have this big horse that runs through the streets. And it's amazing to watch the old guys just stand there and look. And they're mesmerized by the gizmos and the mechanics of it. And then they just start talking to you simply because you're there and they're intrigued by it. So um, just get out. I guess. <laughs> Do you what? What would you say? What well, would you suggest? Well, I mean, I I I start thinking about people like Hans Meyer, who was the second, no, the first guest on this podcast ever. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he is in the local community there, very active. Yeah. He runs a kids maker evening, I think, at the local library. You know, and yep. he just brings stuff and and then it's funny because he said to me the other day when I was talking to him that, you know, oh, you know, the the parents get, you know, jealous. You know, they're like, Oh, that's cool. You know, I I, I would love to <laughs> learn how to do that, you know. And, and so <laughs> exactly. and so uh, the kids, you know, and I think that is what makes the big difference, you know, because after a while, you know, their kids working on this stuff, you know the the parents might say well you know what maybe we'll invest in a 3d printer you know and deep down dad always wants one always wanted one and he's like <laughs> you know exactly yes and, <laughs> and then before you know it he's like going crazy and posting things on thing of tingiverse or whatever it's called yeah. you know yeah. and 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 making his own impact in the world and i think that that is what we have the power to do if we share what we do with others. Um, I think that that example is just one of, I don't know how many ways we could do it, but I think the community or the, 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 your local town or council or whatever always has space for this type of things. You've just got to dig around and find it. So, so, I mean, I, I was talking to you earlier in this pre-podcast that we took and, and I was like, I really should get out there. I really should do something and be part of something, you know? And so I started thinking about projects I could do with people that were already sort of involved in the, in the, in the council community, you know, local yeah. town sort of engagement already so that I could, didn't have to jump through hoops to try and find how to get involved you know i would maybe oh. attach myself to someone that is already kind of in it already and then just mm -hmm. piggyback off them to to take it and make my own impact in this local community yeah. so yeah and maybe one idea too could be to um force yourself to learn a skill on your next project that you don't have for example uh, upholstery or sewing uh, or, or, you know, some maker skill that is completely out of your norm that kind of forces you to meet a whole nother, you know, group of when was the last time you hung out for an evening with a bunch of older ladies, uh, knitting, hmm. you know, yeah, uh, and got to see their passion for what they do. Um, and then you find out that actually, what if I, was able to knit something and they could help you knit something. And then you could then in turn help them 
make a cool stand for their knitting needles. Uh, you know what I mean? Like be creative in how we need help and learn from other people, you know, kind of spend a month doing something else. That's learn to make food. <laughs> that's my favorite makers are the food makers, you know? Yeah. That's a great way to make friends. <laughs> yeah. yeah very good way. <laughs> well, uh, before we get into the rapid fire five, um, I kind of want to just take this chance to thank all my patrons for their support on this show. Um, you guys really, I don't take you guys for granted and I want to thank you guys for supporting the show and of course, Garage Avenger YouTube channel and all the other stuff I do. Um, I want a big shout out to uh, the top tier heroes, Stian Suhus and Sylvester Arneson and Andreas Volman. Uh, and again, thank you all so much. Uh, you guys are absolute legends. If you guys also want to be a part of um, the GA Nation, as I'm calling it, um, go head over to Patreon and support this podcast and the shenanigans on my Garage Avenger YouTube channel. Um, I hope to see you guys there. Now, let's get into the Rapid Fire 5. You ready? I'm going to bring it on. All right. What's something people get wrong about you, Mike? That I make lots of money. <laughs> I don't know. I, I remember lots of kids would say, oh, you own the skate park? And I was like, yeah. They're like, you must be rich. And I, you know, I wasn't. Um, <laughs> the kids you know, always somehow, have a false sense of our reality, don't they? Some, and also people think that when you are able to make crazy contraptions come to life, uh, they think you must have a lot of money. Um, I don't know. Um, that's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> I have what? enough money. I don't have lots. Uh, no. Well, I think that's all you really do need, isn't it? Like <laughs> Exactly. Hmm. Uh, what's something you like to do that has nothing to do with making? Nothing to do with making. That's hard because um, I like playing the guitar, uh, but that's still making. Creating. Uh, <laughs> Actually, this uh, is this is a bit funny because I've started asking this question, and a lot of people yeah. kind of fall into that trap. Like, damn it, everything yeah. I do. I love, I love making food. I love I love making food, uh, but that's still making. Um, <laughs> uh, I like drinking good cocktails <laughs> that other people make for me. Uh, uh. Uh, what's a project that is completely priceless uh, for you and that you could never sell? There's not many things that I ever sell, honestly. No. Um, money, uh, you know, I like to give people things, trade things to people. Um I don't think I've ever sold anything and the things that I did end up selling. I always wished, I don't know. I don't like money, uh, honestly in that exchange. So is there anything that I have that I wouldn't want to get rid of? Um, probably just small things, you know, things that I've had since I was a kid or things that I, I went to my uncle's house and pulled out some, as his house was getting ripped down, I pulled out some, pieces of his house from an old lamp to a, a grill that was on the vent, an old vent. Uh, so I have some stuff like that that are just hanging on my wall that I 
I would never want to get rid of. Um, uh, but there's nothing that I've ever made because generally the things that I make are way too big to keep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so in the end of the day, uh, and they're also so big that no one can buy them because where are they going to put them? <laughs> well, you know, so, where, uh, yeah, where are they going to put a giant Pegasus and or a, or exactly. you know a two-story uh, udder? You know, like yeah, yeah. But but if someone came and they offered me a lot of money. If it was the right person, I think that's more important to me than the money. But if it empowered me to make something new and to do another thing, then, but money itself doesn't motivate me. So uh, I don't know. No. What does happiness look like? Wow. I forgot that that was on the list. Um, <laughs> Is it riding your toll bike? Oh, <laughs> well, maybe, you know, um, in one sense, happiness is being free and riding through a city and having people smile at you and smile back and just connect. Uh, um, but also I think uh, good, honest relationships with people around me. I think that's having good people around me, I think is probably my most favorite thing. Uh, yeah. So I think having the right people around you and good, honest relationships, that's what makes me happy. And then maybe like Bali and a pina colada for three months would be really happy too. Something you know, very surfacey like a, a beach somewhere is also really happy. I feel happy when I'm on the beach. Yeah. So. Well, I think you know, I I think you're the first person to actually say relationships as part of happiness, and I think that's really important to actually state. It's like if we're alone in this journey you know, with the wrong people always around it is we're never going to be happy. Uh, and I think uh, having the right people around you are, is just so important to your own sanity and happiness. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. All right. The last question, who should be the next guest on the podcast? Like anyone I would pick, I would love to hear a podcast with the, uh, the shitty robot girl. Have you heard of her? Is this Simone Getz? I don't even know her name. Uh, I think she's Swedish. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, Simone. She goes by the shitty, the shitty robot girl, you know, or something like that. I love her. You know, she's so beautiful, and I love what she makes, and I love that it never works. And um, uh, I would love to hear a, a talk with her, um, but um, um. I could think of more people, but I'll just I'll just leave you with the shitty robot girl. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're talking about Simone Goetz, and I'm I'm gonna be super impressed if I could get her on this show. That would be so awesome. Right on, man. Go for it. <laughs> she's, she's like a maker superstar. So <laughs> of course she is, and that's why she's cool. I think I saw her on Stephen Colbert once, even. Yeah, know? yeah, uh, yeah. Super amazing. All right. Well, I think that's about it, guys. Um, I mean, look, we as makers are a special breed and we can ultimately change the world by sharing our creativity. And it doesn't need to be on a gigantic scale, but more importantly, I guess on the micro scale to engage our wider local community in our cities and townships. And I hope 
through this little chat we've had on this podcast we've inspired you to get out there get out of your comfort zone and go change the world just that little bit in your own way if you enjoyed the show and you thought you know it was worth telling me please give me your feedback uh send me a dm at garage avenger on instagram um you know thank you mike for coming on the show it's been an absolute pleasure remember to change the world uh, by igniting your creativity and making your ideas reality i'm justin white thanks for listening until next time keep pushing yourself keep ballsing up things keep learning get inspired and i'll catch you on the flip side there we go i'm done beautiful